about swimming season. It is right around the corner. And, you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought about those kids, you know, the kids that, that they're on the edge of the dock and they're just, they're about to jump in. I don't know if that's you. Like my kids love, they're just like, they jump right in. Uh, it doesn't matter how cold the water is, but I'm like that kid, right? I'm like, yeah, I got to psych myself up to it. And that might take a couple months before I feel like the water's warm enough or, you know, I'm, uh, maybe I'll come back later. And I so just wait as you think about that, uh, in light of our talk today, just to remember, to be reminded of that. You know, in the last number of weeks, we've been talking about foundations. We've been talking about the early church. We've been talking about where things started as a church and maybe where we're at today in light of that. We know that the early church was devoted to three things. And uh, before, we, um, before we tell you, I got a little hint here on the screen, but tell me what they are. How many of you remember what the early church was devoted to? Maybe here in the room, you can shout it out. What was, what, what, they were, What? No, they were not devoted to fire. Okay, so we're going to go with those online, playing at home online. Do you remember what this one might represent? Devoted to, devoted to the word or to the apostles' teaching, to the New Testament was what we were talking about. That's one thing they were devoted for, um, to. Second, anybody know what this might be? Fellowship and gathering together. We talked about how they're, they, when, they, when they got together, they ate together, they shared the Lord's Supper, and then this one right here devoted to prayer. And we talk about devoted. Devoted has a lot of different terms, but they were steadfastly studying the word alone and together. Uh, Not just by themselves. They did this alone, but mostly together. They were persevering in their prayer alone and together, and they continued in community. And we talk about community as this common unity around Jesus. They might disagree on other things, but when it came to this cross and when it came to what Christ had done for them, they were together in that and realized that they were better together as a result. Uh, and so I'm asking, you know, again, as always, just, just that, that, that honestly at home to answer the question, how are you doing with those things? How am I doing with those things? How, how's my devotion to his word, to, to knowing at home, finding that place where you're listening for his voice? Or like we said, how's it, how's it going with you praying with other people? I had uh, somebody this week, they're like, oh yeah, I forgot I was going to do that, you know, to pray with other people. I'm like, well, you can do it with me. And we ended our conversation together in prayer. And then also finding ways to safely gather, finding ways to be the church, be the gathering. How are you doing with that? Because I think it's so, so important. Why is it so important that we, that we find these ways to be together? The, the importance is this, that we talked about in a couple of weeks ago, that every part plays a part. I like it. They got it in the room too. Every part plays a part. Did you realize that your foundation matters? Your foundation matters. I, I know sometimes we think, oh, you know, I can just, you know, freestyle church. I can just watch online, did my thing, and, and it's, it's all whatever. I, I, did my, I did my part, but it's way more than that. You know, when you think of a chain and you think of the weakest, the chain's only as strong as the weakest link. That's similar in what um, Jesus designed the church gathering to be. That we, would, that we would strive to be the ones who are the, who are the strength uh, in, in the gathering, to be the ones who are the strength in, this, in this, um, this, this body of believers. You know, it matters. Every part matters. You know, our uh, piano player, he, uh, he, had a, he had a fight with a chainsaw last week, and uh, he, the chainsaw won. And he, I was going to show a picture of his finger, but I just, I couldn't, I'd be puking myself. It was just awful. But 
if you ask him, you know, if you say, Matt, you know, Matt, did that finger matter? Believe me, he's going to tell you it mattered. And boy, did it matter. You know, the pain that was involved in the, the eight stitches and everything else. One part affects the rest of the body in incredible ways. And that's, that's the same way. That's why they compare the, the body of Christ uh, as his gathering of believers. Wherever you find yourselves, you play a part. You play a part. And I know over the last year or whatever, as being distanced, it can be easy to just be like, ah, we'll just take a, we'll take a back seat or we'll just relax for a while. And I'm telling you, that, that, that is a lie of the enemy. If he can just put us to sleep uh, wherever he finds ourselves as individuals, we're not going to be anywhere near ready for the spiritual warfare that we are currently in. We were in a battle and we were reminded of that. And so last week, we talked about doing a foundation inspection on your own life. Where is your foundation and, and, and how, how's your life built? Like we have foundation inspections when we build houses, but how much more important is, is it when we're actually building a life? We're building our lives on something. We don't get to go back and do or undo or redo the things that we've done. What are we building our life on? And so we looked at the story that Jesus told of two builders last week. The two builders, one was wise and built his house on solid rock, and another was foolish and, and ended, ended up experiencing epic collapse. And we, told, we said it wasn't just a story Jesus told. It was this, this lesson that he taught anybody who would listen, is that the way you build your life matters when storms hit. And so Luke chapter 6, verse 47, just want to kind of where we ended last week, want to start there. It says this, um, Luke, Jesus is saying this, and Luke writes it down. He says, I'll, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me when they listen to my teaching and, they, and when they follow it. Did you, get, did you catch that? Jesus says, let me tell you what it looks like. Let me tell you about the life of a person who comes to me. We said that last week as we come to Jesus. We're not coming to religion. We're not coming to rituals. We're not coming to like devotionals. We're just coming before Jesus. He says, when, let me tell you what it looks like when people come to Jesus. And when they hear his teaching, they listen to it. And when they follow it, this is what it's like, he says. It's like a person building a house. They dig deep and they lay the foundation on solid rock. And when floodwaters rise and break against that house, he doesn't say if, he says when, because we know that storms always come. He says, it stands firm because it was well built. And he's, he's likening that to the person who says, man, I've come to Jesus. I'm listening for your word and I'm obeying it. I'm following it. And my life gets built on this foundation that stands when things are all around are falling. You know, 25 years later, approximately 25 years later, after Jesus told this story, um, it was a famous, you know, there were famous teachings. It was Jesus' most famous teaching that we know of, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, then Jesus had this famous event happen in his life. He was the star of the event, and he, it, it's when he died and rose from the dead. That became famous. That, 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 that was told the world over, that event. Uh, about 25 years after that event, there was this famous document, this famous letter that was written by a famous man. And why do we say famous? Because it's been translated into thousands of languages. This letter was written by a well-known, well-respected man in the first century, it's a man who actually knew Jesus for his whole life. He knew Jesus from the day he was born and all the way, and there was only a handful of people who, who knew that. And we, we know that because it was Jesus' little half-brother, James. James was born in the same, same home. He knew, he knew Jesus. And as he grew up with Jesus, and may, you know, maybe you wonder, like, what did, what did Jesus do when he was, like, in his teenage years? Was he, like, making toys out of mud, like, making a little bird and, you know, blowing on it and then turning it into a live? Like, hey, you want a budgie or a parakeet today? You know, and, like, whatever it is. Um, that's not what happened. 
There was no miraculous signs. There was nothing like that. His brothers thought he was nuts. They're like, man, we don't think Jesus is the son of God. Like, I don't know. My brother keeps saying he's the son of God. We think he's lost his mind. That's what his family thought of him. Until all of a sudden, one day, they're like, no, no, he's the son of God. (laughs) What do you think happened that changed their mind from from this to that? I'll tell you, it was the resurrection. When somebody rises from the dead, you're like, okay, no, no, he he is who he said he was. His own family doubted and then believed. That, that says something. James believed so much that Jesus wasn't just his brother. He said, he's my Lord. He ended up becoming the pastor of the first gathering of Jesus followers in Jerusalem. And uh, he, from that place, watched as his church got persecuted and watched as the people he loved got chased out of Jerusalem and all over the Roman Empire. And he, he, you know, he wondered maybe where they were at, but he, he knew what they had gone through. And he wrote a letter to them in general and just said, to whoever this may find, you know, this is to those who have been scattered, to those who were here but are now scattered out there. I want you to write, I want to write a letter to those of you who have been through a lot. Those of you who have been through a lot, he wanted to help them have this thing called an an enduring faith. Kind of like that foundation Jesus talked about, the one that's still there after the storm happens. James is saying, you know what, I want to write this to people who've gone through a lot to encourage you to have a faith that endures. So when the storm's gone, you're still there. Do you know people like that? Have you met people like that? They go through like hell on earth. And you talk to them, and they're just like, yeah, it's been rough, but man, I, tr- I, I trust the Lord. I trust in his goodness. I'm relying on his strength. I'm trusting that he's carrying me through. You, you ever met those people? Man, I have. I talked to some recently. Man, they're going through tough stuff, and I get this text, and it just simply says, man, it's been a tough day, but I'm going to uh, just take the next two hours and just spend it with my Heavenly Father and my Bible. I won't be texting for a while. Oh, man, that just does my heart good. Like here they are in the thick of it. And they're just like, man, I just want to spend time with him. I, it may not be good around me, but I'm, I'm good and, and, and he's good. I had a pastor friend of mine in this area who um, people from his church were pretty hard on him. Uh, they, were, they were really hard on him, actually. They wanted him out. And I was like, man, I was talking with him one day over lunch. And I just said, you know, how, buddy, how do you handle this? Like, I, I hear what's being said about you in the community. I'm like, how do you handle it? And I've never forgotten his words. Because he said, you know what, Mark? He's like, it doesn't matter. I've been called to serve these people, and it doesn't really matter. He says, what they say or what they do. He says, it just draws me closer to my Heavenly Father, and I just rely on him more and rely on his love to be able to serve the people that he loves. I was like, man, like, these are the kind of, like, I, I just wanted to be, like, angry for him. <laughs> And he didn't have that in there, right? He just had this thing. You're like, man, those are the kind of people like you just admire. They got this enduring faith that carries them through. You know, people like that. I encourage you to think about it because later on, I'd love for you to share those stories with the people that you're in contact with. How about people who are the opposite though? You know any of them? You know, you met people who they say they're Christians and it's like one little tiny thing goes wrong in their life and they're like, God must not love me. You know, I don't even know if there is a God anymore. And they're like, I just want to quit this whole religion, Christianity thing. You, you, ever, you ever hear them on the other end of the phone? I don't have any names for that, but you know, it's, it seems like trouble just comes and it seems to take them out. And it seems like it's way less than what other people are going through. I mean, it seems big for them, but really, when you look at it, it seems so much less. And you know what I find with people that have a weaker faith? People who have a weaker faith, they, do, they often do one of two things. They either blame God for it, 
or they deny his existence and they think, oh, he must not exist. This is this weak, this weak faith. And either, either way, they're pretty sure it's his fault and has not, not, nothing to do with themselves. And, and James is writing and saying, listen, I want you to have an enduring faith. And I, w- I want to deal with some of those things. And people who find cracks in their foundations, he's like, I want to, I want to deal with and help you deal with those things. Because we have a tendency, as just as individuals, when we notice the cracks in the foundation, we kind of, our tendency and our temptation is to do nothing. We just like, maybe hope it goes away, or maybe it'll fix itself, or, or, or whatever. And so I want to look at that uh, today. James deals with a lot of those thoughts in, in, his, um, in this letter. And so... James, um, he starts his letter. There's no long introduction. There doesn't need to be. Everybody knows who James from Jerusalem is. They all know who he is. When they see it on the letter, they're like, oh, we know who it's James. So basically his greeting is, greetings. Now let's get right into the tough stuff. Basically one verse is like, hey, how are you? Glad to be writing to you. Now let's, let's get down to business. He says, dear brothers and sisters, in verse two, when troubles of any kind come your way, He says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What James is talking about is those storms that come from the outside. He's like, man, when they hit you, like Jesus follower, don't throw in the towel. Recognize that it's an opportunity for your faith to, to grow, to become stronger as a result. He's like, those things, those, those trials and tests that are coming at you, they are the result of sin. They're the result of a sin-wrecked world. But they're not, they're not determined to take you out. You, you have a foundation. You have a foundation to stand on. And James describes their faith foundation as something that's alive. Jesus described it as like this foundation, like a builder. But James says, it's, it's like this thing that's alive. It's, it's like a seedling. And, we're, you know, with gardening season right now, I'm like, man, I'm all about it. And I've been planting um, these little tomatoes. And, you know, you have to harden them off before you plant them in the garden. So I put decided I'll put mine outside. Well, the last two windy days was like, they're all like laying flat. flat. And it's amazing how they just start to, to come back up. But he's like, this, this thought of um, going through trials, and te- it's, it's testing to see, but it's not, it's not going to take you out as a Jesus follower. You know, I was watching the wind just blow the trees, trees had planted a couple years ago. And, you know, when you plant trees, it's like you put some stakes in the ground uh, to make sure that they, you know, that the wind doesn't take them out and blow out their root system. But, do you know, the, the tree has these stakes just for a couple of seasons because what, the stakes are just meant to hold them in place until their root system is, is um, strong enough to sustain them. But they're meant, they're meant to, um, to, to rely on their deep root system. You know, I'm thinking about Jesus followers, and I think about James writing to people that in our culture, I think a lot of us as Jesus followers often rely on a whole bunch of other stakes for our whole Christianity. Like, this is my pastor over here. This is my praying mom and my praying grandma. And man, they're just like holding me up and holding me in there. And and they think that that's like normal Christianity is that I can just rely on that. When I hit a storm, I'm on the phone, I'm calling them. Can you say enough prayers for me? Because I don't know if God listens to me, but you're my stake. James is like, no, 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 Jesus follower, your foundation matters for your storms. Your foundation matters for your storms. Your foundation matters in the whole body. So so don't just be relying on someone else's um, faith. You develop that strong foundation of faith. That's what Jesus had taught 25 years earlier. James at first, um, chapter 1, verse 12. Here's what James continues to say. He's like, God blesses. And actually the word is like, happy are those who, who patiently endure 
testing. There it is. It's that, that, that thing that endures the testing. It says, and temptation. And James brings in another side of it. He says, afterward, they're going to receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, he says, and remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God's tempting me. God's never tempting anybody to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else either. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Verse 16, so don't be misled. Don't be misled. My dear brothers and sisters, verse 17, whatever's good and perfect, whatever's good and perfect in your life, it's a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. What's James saying? He's like, hey, you know, God blesses those who patiently endure trials, tests, and temptations. The trials and tests we learned earlier, they're the things from the outside. They're the things that other people and other, you know, sin-broken people are doing in our lives or things that happen as a result of, of sin on the outside. And then he says, but there's also these storms and stuff that test you from the inside. These things called temptation, they're like the sin on the, the, the storm on the inside of you. You know, the idea is that you would endure through them both, that when, when those storms are finished, you're still there. You know, I, I, I find that many people tend to waste a lot of time trying to figure out where the storm came from instead. They're like, you know, when a test comes from the outside, like, is that you, God? You know, God, like, you know, uh, or if it's temptation on the inside saying, well, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think God, you know, he just wired me this way because I just can't stop drinking. I think I was just made this way. Or, you know, I can't stop thinking this way or feeling those attractions or whatever it is. I think God just wired me this way. And instead of, instead of realizing, you know, who God is in the temp, in, in the, um, who God truly is, they, they allow these things to just mess with their idea of who God is. You know, or they get angry at God. You know, why are you doing this to me? You know, they tell people, you know, God must think I can handle a ton, or I don't know, he must be trying to teach me something, but I don't know. Like God's just always, I never want to pray because he just, he just loads me down with all kinds of difficult situations. And James is like, guys, don't, don't be misled. You know, when storms come your way, that those aren't the defining characteristics of God in your life. He's like, God hasn't changed. He doesn't change. Anything that's good and perfect is from him. He's like, don't, don't be misled. Don't be fooled. He's like, it's really easy to see. And maybe, you know, I can help you with this tonight. It's really easy to see. If it's good, it's God. If it's evil, it's not. Can we just say it together? If it's good, it's God. If it's evil, it's not. One more time. If it's good, it's God. If it's evil, it's not. He's like, don't, don't look at all your situations to try and figure out what God is like. God's already shown us what God is like. We don't, you don't need to look into all those things and say, oh, that this is what it is. But that's how so many people uh, uh, approach life and approach storms. And James is like, hey, there's a better way. If you recognize that God is good all the time, you'll learn that you can trust his goodness. And when you know you can trust his goodness, you can trust his commands for you because they come out of goodness. You can trust his heart. You can trust his word. So James verse one, he says this, James one, sorry, verse 21. He says, since God's good, he's like, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and just humbly accept the word of God. Just humbly accept that, in, the, the word that God's planted in your heart because it actually has the power to save your soul. And he's, not, he, he's talking about the salvation of your soul for eternity. But it's more than that. It's the idea that it, has the, it, it is, has the power to save your life in those storms as well. 
He's like, there's a power in, in his words and doing things God's way. You know, James reminds us that what Jesus taught about the two builders, that that same thing that Jesus said, you know, he who he hears my words and does it, they're like, they're building a foundation that when the storms in life come, they're the one left standing. You know, the word is that firm faith foundation you're going to need to endure the storms. You know, the temptations and the tendency at this point is to trick ourselves. You know, we hear all of what we've just heard. That that's the thing that we think, ah, we, we default to this trickery mode. You know, I Googled it and you did realize that there's, there's all kinds of videos and stuff of how to trick yourself into doing all kinds of things. I didn't realize this was a thing, but, you know, you can, you can trick yourself into becoming a morning person. I'm not going to try, but apparently you can. You can trick yourself into not being insecure. You can trick yourself into saving money. I might try that. You can trick yourself into doing tasks that you dread. Or this one, my favorite, you can trick yourself into thinking you're doing work. I wonder if you can trick your boss into thinking you're doing work. But you can trick yourself. And as I read through that, actually, most of these things come around as being how you can motivate yourself into doing all of these things. But James isn't talking about that kind of trickery or that kind of motivation. He's talking about something much, much more dangerous, much, much more deceptive. James 1.22, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. He says, you got to do what it says. Don't, don't, just, don't just hear it and think, oh, because I've heard it. I'm better. He says, otherwise you're only fooling or deceiving yourselves. Have you ever been deceived? Being deceived is not fun. You know, it could be anything. It could be there's this solitaire app game that promises to pay you big money. One guy's like, I made $56,000 playing solitaire. And then you read the app thing, the, the reviews, and it's like, don't play this game. They stole 200 from my credit card. They stole 500 from my mom. And it just goes down this list. And it's like, man, scammers. And my kids and I like to watch this guy who uh, pretends to talk like a grandma, but then he ends up scamming the scammers out of all their money and racing their computers. And, but, you know, these scammers that are out to get money from senior citizens. And, and he's like, what they do is they, they scam them and tell them, oh, you've got to pay us in gift cards. So every time I go to the grocery store to buy gift cards for the single moms that we support or for Feed the Need, every time someone has to come up to me and ask me, uh, do you realize that this could be a scam? I'm like, do I look like a senior citizen? But according to the people at Home Hardware, I do. So I guess that's a thing. But, but every single time, right? I'm like, I, I, I understand. But for the people who have been scammed, man, it's terrible. You know, maybe it's not people that you don't know that have deceived you. Maybe it's people you do know. Maybe it was a business partner, you know, who, de- who deceived you. Maybe it, was, maybe it was your spouse. Like you married them thinking they were one person. And now it's like, wow, there's all this secret stuff that came out. And you're like, well, I didn't know any of that. You know, but maybe it's even closer than that. And this is what James alludes to, that maybe you are deceiving you. Maybe you are deceiving you. We don't, we don't like being deceived. And, you know, this was something that was happening in, in um, Jesus' day. It was happening in James' day. And I see it happen all the time. I hear it happen all the time. I I even see it happen in my own life, that I can see that what they said is true, that we can deceive ourselves. It's so easy. We end up fooling ourselves, and in the end, we build on sand as a result. Why? How does it happen? Let me tell you how it happens, and then quickly, and then how how do we go forward from here? You know, number one, we, we often want to choose what feels easier. It's how we deceive ourselves into building on sand, is we want what's easy. You know, it's things that we'll say, like, you know, I'll, I'll do it just this one time. 
and we begin to build a foundation on sand. Or we're like, well, lots of other people are doing this, so it must be okay, and we begin to build a foundation on sand. You know, I, I know that the Bible says that, but I'm pretty sure it says that about other people, or I think that's in the Old Testament or something, and, and we begin to build. You know, I'm going to do it my own way. We begin to build on sand. You know, we're tempted to take the, the easiest way possible because it's, it's easy. You know, we're tempted to base our decisions on our feelings. And it's like so much of what happens nowadays is just based on how I feel or how I, how I um, don't want to feel. For instance, you know, things like I, I felt like it was right at the time. Has anybody ever heard anybody say that? And then usually they're like, but now I regret it. Because, you know, what it felt right wasn't right, but I, it felt right at the time. You know, I did that because I was feeling hungry, angry, lonely, sly, tired, bored, stoned, whatever. I, I was feeling a certain way, and so that action happened. You know, I wanted, for others, it's like, man, I wanted to avoid an awkward conversation, so I just like, ugh, I did this instead. You know, or I felt better after talking about, you know, my addiction or my secret sin or whatever it is. I felt better talking about it. I can breathe again, so I don't feel like I need to do anything about it. I I had somebody mention to me just recently, they're like, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you for a year about the stuff I'm going through. But every time I was about to talk to you, I was like, huh, you know, I feel good today. And so they'd put it off and they went through like this roller coaster as a result. Do you ever realize that our feelings change? (laughs) so easily so all the time and yet for so many they're basing decisions on feelings and when the feelings change sometimes it's too late and that's where he's saying we you know that's when that's what happens when you all of a sudden you realize a storm comes like ah i built i built this part of my life on feelings and then finally we're tempted to think that believing in the right things is enough we're tempted, you know, to, to, to do the easy thing, to do what feels right, or simply this, that we just, even, especially as Jesus followers, we, we think that believing is all that we're supposed to do. You know, we, we know that that doesn't work in any other area of life. Like, I can't just say, well, I believe that eating healthy is good, so sweet, I'm healthier. No, I, you know, I believe that investing is good, so I'll check when I get home, but my bank account, my retirement fund is probably fully funded now because I believe it's a good thing. You know, I, I believe that, that working out is good, so my dad bod is going to beach bod by Friday. And we know that that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in any of those. Just because we believe doesn't automatically guarantee the benefit. So why do we think that works in our spiritual life? Why, why do we think things that, well, like, yeah, I believe that, you know, the word is good. I believe it's good to read the Bible. I believe it's good to pray. I believe it's good to gather. I believe, I believe it's good to believe in that there's a Jesus and assume that that is enough. See, we're tempted to think that because we've done part of the process that the whole thing is there. And that's what Jesus was saying last week and what James is saying this week. He's like, you're deceiving yourself. And you know when you, know when you recognize it? When everything crashes around you. And he's like, this is what we're trying to help you avoid. Is this, it's like, it's like going to mow your lawn without, you know, you mow the whole lawn and then at the end you're like, oh snap, I forgot to turn on the blade. And you're like, I guess I just went for a tour around my property. You know, or, or you plant a garden, but you never weed it or never water it. You're never going to get the end result of it. Or you hear a good message and you're like, that was a good sermon. But then you don't do anything with it. Or you read something in scripture and you're like, oh, that hit my heart. I'm like, I feel better because it hit my heart, but I'm not, I'm not going to do anything with it. You know, with our young guys group this week, we just sitting around chatting, and as we sat around the fire, 
they started mentioning, you know what? I really need like, like accountability in this area. And we began to say, what's, what's God putting, dropping in your heart? What do you feel like he wants you to do? And they were like, this is what it is. And one was like, yeah, like, man, like my tongue, like I, I, I drop swear words and I, I just don't want to anymore. But would you guys, can you guys check in on me this week? Now, there was one was saying the very, this very thing. He's like, yeah, like I read the word, but I don't do anything with what I read. Can, can you check in on me on that? Like, man, this is like, this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you start seeing, you know, that, that take root, that foundation building in our lives. And so James finishes, and so will we. He finishes these, the thought with these words, James 1.23. He says, for if you listen to the word of God and you, and you don't obey it, he says, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You, you see yourself, you see what's wrong, you see all the stuff you need to fix. It's like getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, my eyes look like, you know, full of croutons and, you know, your hair is everywhere. You got like that sliva trail all the way down, you know, you're like, oh, that must have been a rough night, right? Like, well, off to work I go. And maybe for those of you who work at home, it's no problem. But let's do that for 10, 15 days and then go see somebody, right? You're like, what? And that's what James is saying. He's like, hey, like, you wouldn't look in a mirror and not fix the problem. He's like, when the word of God reveals something in you, it's meant to reveal it for a reason. So he says in verse 25, but, but he says, if you look carefully, if you look carefully into the perfect law, and he's talking about the word, he's like, if you look carefully into the word that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for what? For believing it? For thinking it's a good thing? For trying it? For hearing it? No, no, none of those. He's like, he's going to bless you for, for doing it. I'm preaching to myself as much as to anyone today because I can see this happen in my own life all the time, you know? It's like, wow, you know, you're better off because you preached it. Not a chance. The same thing matters for me. What will I do with what I've heard tonight? What will I do with what he's put in my, in my heart? And so I leave you with this thought because the question is, what about us? Because maybe for you, Today, the, the, the question is, have you actually put your trust in Jesus as your Savior? Or did you just have a little bit of faith that you believe there's a God, but you never use that faith to trust him with your life and to become his follower and say, Jesus, I'm living for you. The direction of my life is headed in your direction. I'm not going to be like this person, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, I'm like in this direction. Jesus, my life, I put my trust in in you, maybe that's you, and just simply to just simply do that. Jesus, like, would you rescue me? Would you forgive my sin? Would you cleanse me from the inside? Would you move in? Would you take over? God, would you lead me in the paths of righteousness? Maybe for you, you're already a Jesus follower, but you know, for you, it's actually deciding to study his word for yourself so you know his desires for you. It's like what James had to, you know, if you like what James had to say so far, maybe for you, it's like, you know what, I'm going to keep reading James because you'll find out lots of different things that he calls us to do as Jesus followers. Things he's like, this is, this is, this is not what you do to get saved. This is, but as a Jesus follower, here's what he's calling us to and to, and to live those things out. And then finally, maybe for you, it's just simply deciding to do what you already know he wants you to do. He's already dropped these things in your heart multiple times. You've just put it off. And you know what? You know what it is right now because you're thinking about it right now. Like, I, I'm just trusting Holy Spirit's voice. I don't need to necessarily give you all kinds of examples. But you know, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I trust you hear his voice. But what are you going to do with that prompting on the inside? Maybe, maybe he wants you to apologize to that person that you know you've wronged. 
You're just like, it's going to be awkward. I'll have to admit that they were right. But you know you need to do it. Maybe for you, you need to ask forgiveness for, for, um, or to forgive the person that has wronged you. And you're like, oh, it still hurts. But you feel that prompting. He's like, no, come on. I, you, I know you don't want to have that conversation. I know it's going to be awkward, but come on. I want you to go and forgive. Your foundation is shaky until, let's go. I want you to forgive. Maybe for you, it's surrendering your pride. Maybe for you, it's like, I got to give to that person I know is in need. And God, I know you've been bringing it up, but I'm just like, I don't know why, but I'm holding on to everything. He's like, I want you to, I want you to give it. Maybe you got to pray for your enemy. Maybe for you, it's joining a gathering. It's like, listen, you need to be around other people. Maybe for you, it's do good to your neighbor. Maybe for you, it's confess your secret addiction. Whatever it is, whatever it is, the, the, the power in, in being a Jesus follower is actually stepping out and doing what he says. Because we could be like that kid standing on the dock. If we go back to him, the beginning, standing there, and you know, you answer this question tonight, like, what are you going to do with what you know God has put in your heart? You're like, oh, I thought about doing it. Well, I almost did it. I intended to do it. I really, really, really thought I was doing it. it was, I was going to do it. I will when it gets warmer, when it gets easier, when it gets shallower. I, Jesus, I'm in then. <laughs> or are you simply going to be like this kid and just jump? Say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I want to build my life on a firm foundation. God, I know your word and I want to live it. I want to do what you've called me to do. Which one are you? Which one am I? May we be, may we be more of a, of a doer of what his word is as a result of this talk. Pray that for me and I pray that for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your voice. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for personalizing that for each and every one of us in the situations that we're in. Thank you that you're doing that for our good. Now we can trust that. God, thanks for those that you're calling to salvation, even right now. That they feel it in their hearts that you, the God of the universe, really do care about them or really calling them to yourself. Father, I pray for courage for them to reach out and receive your grace and mercy. Father, I also lift up myself and brothers and sisters who just have heard your word and the prompting is there and we hesitate. God, would you help us? Would you help us to be obedient, to do what you've called us to do? That our foundation may be strong, that people may see the light of you shining through us. Thank you, Jesus, for your church. Lift them up before you, even right now. God, may you move in and through your body in powerful ways in this day and this time pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to end this, this talk with just a few questions. We do this often just to give you an opportunity to dig a little deeper. Uh, if you're on your own at uh, watching this or listening to it, maybe, you know, give somebody a call who you know has been watching it as well. Or uh, if you're watching it in one of our small groups, to, to sit down for a little bit. I know, like, you want to run off to where the kids are or whatever, but to just take a few minutes to, to just go through some of these things and see what he may, he may have to say for us. So number one, what jumped out at you from today's talk? What was it that you're like, oh, we always say, what, what made you smile? What made you think? What made you mad? And, and why? Why? And think about that a little bit. Second, what do, you, what do you know or who do you know that has shown rock solid faith in difficult times? Like who are those people that you're like, man, I've watched them go through stuff and it's like, wow, 
wow, like God must be real. Look at, look at what's, um, how he's carried them through. Look at how they trust in him. Uh, and, and what did you learn from that? And then third, how do you think your faith will hold up in the next storm? How do you think your foundation is going to hold up when the next storm comes your way? You don't get to choose the storm. How do you think you'll do? Like, well, I haven't really thought about that. I don't, I don't really know. It'd be a great question, a great thing to consider because I promise you storms are coming. And then finally, what do you think he wants you to do today? And I word that in that way because I think the, the two important words in there are what does, what does he want you to do and today? Because it's so easy to put something off, but I, I would ask that that be your prayer. God, what do, you want to, what do you want me to do today? To hear his voice, be quick to respond. Be quick to respond. Well, Kingsway and friends, uh, just know that I love you guys. Excited for what God is doing in and through his church in this day. And uh, believing, believing that we're going to be able to spend some time together as a, as a whole body again soon, I hope. But uh, until then, know that you're loved and go uh, love your world. We'll see you soon.